welcome to the Voices of War, a podcast with a simple vision, to bring to life the true costs of war through the voices of those who've lived it. I'm Maz, and I speak to soldiers, academics, refugees, peacemakers, and anyone else who's been touched by war, in the hope of demystifying, and most importantly, de-glorifying it. If you like what you hear, please consider showing your support by reviewing the show wherever you get your pods. You can also support us on our Patreon or Buy Me A Coffee page. Links to both are in the show notes. Thank you, and I hope you enjoy this episode. As you will hear, my guest today is the respected military ethicist, Dr. David Wedham. I recorded this conversation with David on the 24th of January and had originally planned to release it on the 28th of February. But this was my thinking before the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Now, six weeks into the invasion, we are seeing evidence emerging of horrendous war crimes carried out by Russian soldiers. Hence, although this episode touches on alleged war crimes of a different war, I find David's insights on military ethics to be just as applicable here. War has the potential to do something incredible and insidious to the moral compass of some soldiers. Not one of them is born a war criminal, but life and circumstances may lead them down a path where gross inhumanity becomes the norm. Understanding how this degradation of morality occurs is essential if we are to prevent it. I have learned a lot from this conversation with David, and I hope you do too. My guest today is Dr. David Wedham, who is a professor of ethics and the military profession in the Defence Studies Department of King's College London. He's the director of the King's Centre for Military Ethics and delivers or coordinates the military ethics component of courses for around 2,000 British and international officers a year at the UK's Joint Services Command and Staff College. David supports military ethics education in many different countries and has held visiting fellowships for the Stockdale Centre for Ethical Leadership, U.S. Naval Academy Annapolis, the Centre for Defence Leadership and Ethics at the Australian Defence College in Canberra, and at the University of Glasgow. He was a mid-career fellow at the British Academy in 2017-18, and is currently a visiting professorial fellow at the University of New South Wales. David is also the Vice President of the European Chapter for the International Society for Military Ethics. In 2020, David was appointed as an Assistant Inspector General to the Australian Defence Force, to assist in the final stages of the Afghanistan inquiry and is the author of the report's final annex. David's other publications include several books such as Ethics, Law and Military Operations, Just Wars and Moral Victories, and together with Andrea Elner and Paul Robinson, When Soldiers Say No, Selective Conscientious Objection in the Modern Military. David, it's a real pleasure to host you on The Voices of War. Thank you for joining me. Uh, thank you very much for inviting me, Maz. I'm, I'm very pleased we can finally have this conversation. Yeah, that's right. It's, uh, we, we've tried a few times and uh, now we're finally getting there. Uh, maybe before we start uh, in the murky or wade into the murky waters of military ethics, um, maybe we start with finding out a little bit about you. Uh, what uh, motivated your journey into ethics and particularly military ethics? How, how did you find yourself uh, in these waters? Um, that's a that's a great question. Um, it was a long journey. Uh, I, I don't think um, I don't think the position of military ethicist really uh, existed 25 years ago. Um, there's still not very many of us out there. Um, I my background was a philosopher. I did an undergraduate in philosophy, uh, but the area of um, 
the area of philosophy I was most interested in was uh, political, um, social philosophy and international relations. Um, so the that led on to uh, wanting to do a, a, a master's in uh, war studies because mm. the area of international relations that most fascinated me was when the rules apparently stopped working and, and, and states came into conflict, trying to understand how or why that was the case. Um, that that interest just continued to grow. I um, then went on and did a, a, a PhD. And along the way, I, I was working with um, the OSCE in Kosovo, oh, wow. um, doing election observation um, out there just immediately after the conflict. Um, and I also had the uh, uh, privilege of, of, of doing some traveling around uh, places like um, the Great Lakes region of, uh, of, of Africa and on the borders of Rwanda and, and Zaire, as it was then oh, wow. before in the DRC. Um, so um, actually, it, 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 although there was no point where I suddenly decided I'm going to do military ethics, um, the, the, it was a it was a long a long uh, path in which um, normative issues in international affairs and particularly military affairs just just grew and grew over over a long period of time. Um, and then I was teaching in the war studies department um, towards the end of my uh, doctorate um, uh, in in London. And there was an opportunity that came up at the Staff College, uh, King's mm -hmm. College London has a, has a relationship with the, with the, with the um, uh, British MOD, the UK MOD. Um, mm -hmm. And we have we have 50 or 60, um, in fact, I think it's closer to 60 now, um, uh, full-time academics based out at the Joint Services Command and Staff College um, in Shrivenham. Um, and an opportunity came up to to do some work there, and I absolutely loved it. They they had um, at that time military ethics was just starting to be taken seriously. So mm. this was um, uh, start of the um, uh, pre um, pre um, uh, Iraq. Yeah, okay. so it was yeah. about two thousand and two two thousand and three. But military ethics was starting to become uh, a, 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 an issue, um, and then in two thousand and two thousand and three, the the enormously controversial decision to um, invade uh, Iraq um, uh, 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 as part of a coalition um, made a lot of people start ask ask some uh, asking pretty yeah. fundamental questions and I think that's 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 when military ethics really started um, um, coming to the fore it was obviously around before then it's not not like it's 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 um, mm. it didn't exist before um, but there were very few people um, who, who were really um, specialists in this area or, or indeed that needed to be um, you know, mainly mainly in the US we had we had we had, um, we had lawyers of mm. course um, um, but um, not so much people thinking um, rather than what you were allowed to do, asking the question, what should you do, uh, which is which is where military ethics um, uh, comes in. Right. Right. That's uh, well, that's very interesting. And I think it's uh, I, in fact, I hadn't never really it hadn't really crossed my mind that it's a relatively new field uh, per se, as much as it's been around, like you said, but that we actually have. Uh, a professional cadre of, of, of ethicists who are focusing on the application of military power. Um, maybe we can actually define what we mean by military ethics, uh, because even the term itself might not be so familiar to everyone. Um, uh, it certainly wasn't to me uh, some time ago. So, yeah, maybe we can start with that. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, and it is worth unpacking it as an idea, I think. Um, the... So military ethics is 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 a is a branch of applied ethics. It's 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 about a professional um, uh, ethics that applies to to a particular area of activity. Um, I think it's useful to think of um, 
um, sometimes we talk about morality and ethics as if they're interchangeable, and then mm. we add in law as well. So this is the normal <laughs> yeah. environment. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's possible to do an entire PhD on the difference between just ethics and, 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 <laughs> and morality. But um, I, I don't find give me it, ideas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I, I find it useful to think of morality as something um, uh, more personal. So, so I have a personal morality, and I might, for example, think that um, stealing is wrong. So mm. I, I, I believe stealing is wrong. Um, ethics is 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 it is related to that um but it, it it involves also thinking other people should think it's wrong as well mm-hmm. so you and i would agree that stealing is wrong so between us we share an ethic mm-hmm. okay. um, and if we decide if we decide that there are rules because we are doing a particular area of activity perhaps we become brain surgeons or, or, or sociologists or um, um we, we we become anthropologists or, or engineers mm-hmm. and we decide actually there's certain things that that we should agree we should do and we shouldn't do mm-hmm. then we would start developing a professional ethic, a rules rules that govern that particular activity. Okay. Um, so therefore, um, I still might have my own personal morality about certain things, but I would have to accept that if I was going to be part of this profession, that mm-hmm. there is a set of rules that is related to that profession. And then you have the law, and the law will 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 be involved in all of those things. But mm. the law is trying to do something much more complicated than the the the, the, the ethics is simple. It's it's I I I. I uh, we agree that stealing is wrong. Let's, mm, let's stick mm, with that one. Mm. But the law can't just say stealing is illegal and therefore you'll be punished for it. It's, yeah. it's got to define all the different things that could and could not fall into that area from every kind of uh, human exchange to make sure it's fair and goes through the appropriate mm. process. And we agree what is allowed and what is. So the laws, laws are enormously complex because it's trying to regulate everything, um, whereas uh, um, it should sit legitimate laws should sit on that foundation of of the agreed ethic. ethics yeah so that, yeah. that that's that's how i i kind of think of about the, the the relationship between the three and and all of those things are, of course can can be debated but um i just find it useful to think about the, the, the those three areas and the way they relate and interact with each other in, right. in, in that way right so then in that case military ethic is is if i'm understanding correctly is the uh, rules, norms uh, uh, that we, as a collective, uh, as a and now when we're looking at uh, broader military ethics as allies, as coalitions, as a species, even what we consider to be uh, ethical uh, or yeah. unethical in the conduct of war. Uh, and- Absolutely, and it's 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 really interesting when when um, I start working in a new place. So, for example, the work I was doing in Colombia. Um, and still up, still I'm doing in Colombia. Um, when we started this um, uh, nearly 10 years ago, um, uh, they were very keen to develop their own military ethics curricula and mm-hmm. program and, 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 and um, uh, um, make sure that it was available across the Colombian armed forces. Mm-hmm. Um, but what was really interesting was those initial discussions where, where they were adamant that um, their situation was so peculiar that they needed a different type of military ethics. Um, and it wasn't until we started having those discussions. So, so which which bit of military ethics do you think is different <laughs> for you than it is for everybody else? Mm. And we started having those discussions. We realised it's not different. The circumstances are different. It's it's coming out of a you know coming out of a long period of conflict, a particularly nasty ongoing conflict, which which hasn't quite been fixed yet. Um, but but but. Um, 
But, but, but the point is, yeah, the, um, course, yeah. th there wasn't a separate military ethic for this area. It was just that it needed to be applied in a particular circumstance. It was, there, there weren't Colombian military ethics. You know, funnily enough, you're still not allowed to abuse prisoners. You've still got to, you've still got to question illegitimate orders and you understand the process for, for, for how to do that. You've still, you've still got to think about the professional obligations um, and, and how you discharge them. And it doesn't make actually any difference whether you're in Colombia, Nigeria, Ireland or Australia. You know, there, there are there are certain shared norms that come from being part of a, a, a professional military yeah. um, and, and and you know the, the bedrock of that is the law of armed conflict that's 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 your that's your um, red lines your book of red lines if you like yeah. these are the things that you're apps you you know very clearly and everybody is bound by this it, again it doesn't matter which which mm. which country you're from mm. But but also the deeper the deeper thinking about um, the relationship between the the, the state um, and the individual the relationship between the government mm, and the military mm. all of yeah. those um, all of those um, uh, factors are part of military ethics and understanding for example um, the the why why the military is 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 given the set of duties and permissions that it is and it is allowed to do extraordinary things that nobody else is allowed to do. Um, you know, there's no other there's no other profession where you you can plan to take somebody else's life and be rewarded for it rather than being sent to prison. It's it's an extraordinary extraordinary profession in that sense. But that is underpinned by by the the, the relationship that you have and the permissions that you have from society, and mm. and and that that's part of military ethics. Understanding the limits the limits of that relationship as well as well as the um uh, um the, the the strength the very core mm. of it. You need yeah. to understand what you're not allowed to do and what you can never be asked to do by your society as well as part of that military um, part of that military ethic. Yeah, and we'll definitely get into some of those questions because that's the nuance, I guess. Uh, but it's a, if I'm again correct, part of it is and and the the, the kind of uh, how we unpack military ethics. We can apply them uh, both to you know the reasons for going to war and whether uh, we are justified whether whether a war is actually uh, ethical uh, that is the kind of overarching or usad bellum uh, the kind of big picture and uh, applies mainly to our leadership our leaders who send us to war and then of course there's the usin bellum the the conduct of uh, and i guess both of those uh, would form part of the military ethic and certainly military ethic that i'm familiar with as being taught and trained uh, in certainly the australian military um, and I guess that would be correct for for other militaries as well, right? Uh, absolutely. So, so, uh, and that distinction between the two areas of moral responsibility—the decision to go to war, the, the the justness or not of that decision, and then the actual conduct of the war—that um, those are those are the two traditional um, um, mm. distinctions with, with, within within military ethics. And until fairly recently, the former, the the, the decision to go to war was was simply not considered to be an, an issue for soldiers. That's that's not that's not your question. That's mm. that's for princes. That's for prime ministers and presidents. That's that's their area of responsibility rather than yours. Your, your job is to salute and get on with it. Mm. Um, and of course, that's 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 slightly changed um, uh, to some extent, in the sense that um, now we, we we are we are better informed as, as a, as a uh, mm. sometimes not in a good way. Yeah, um, there's a lot yeah. of disinformation and of fake course. news out there as well. 
Um, but but there, there is an expectation that um, you, you will have, um, uh, you will be able to recognize now you are trained, a great deal of, 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 of treasure is spent on uh, educating professional armed forces to be able to recognize an illegal order when it's given mm. um, and, and say no. Um, and, 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 and of course, that's much easier uh, if, if you've been told to do something that is blatantly illegal on a battlefield, that seems much easier to say no as an individual than be committed to a war, which is wrong or illegal. Um, how, how do you as an individual, how, how can you have the confidence that that is the case? Is that even your question? Mm. Um, and that's much harder. And I'd say yeah. in the majority, the vast majority of situations, that's still that's still not a, a question that um, most people in the armed forces will feel comfortable answering mm. and why precisely why you expect your chain of command to ask those questions on your behalf. So, so in the UK with the chief of the defense staff to be asking the prime minister, um, uh, can you get as, Admiral yeah. Boyce did um, before in in two thousand and three. Um, c- can you can you categorically demonstrate that the, this this would be a lawful deployment and expect the government to be able to come up with 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 that answer? And if if, if they can't, then potentially as a profession, uh, if you are a genuine profession rather than simply an armed bureaucracy, the the role of the profession would be to say, well, I'm not sure we can do this. Um, it's it's not clearly in defence of the state, and it, it does look illegal. I I, I we can't commit. We can't commit to doing that. Um, this is not this is not in the interests of the state. This is not in the interests of 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 of, of, of what we're here to do. Um, has anyone ever done that yet? That, that, to your knowledge, as in certainly in the Western militaries, that that has been a successful uh, uh, resistance to a government um, the, claiming, the, the, claiming that the that the, that the you know the the you said Bellum uh, principles had not been met sufficiently to make this a legal and justifiable war. <laughs> So I'm, I'm pretty sure that what would happen in practice is that whoever questioned it at that level would be forced to resign. Mm. But that in itself, if you can imagine if that had happened in the run up to 2003, if the chief of the defence staff had uh, said, this, this mm. is wrong, we're not doing it, yeah. and, and had and had publicly resigned, um, I think it would be incredibly difficult to carry on mm. uh, in, in, in that kind of circumstance. So so there's a there's a there's a. That's just yeah. military yeah. military ethics is just as important um, for for somebody a, a 19 year old on a checkpoint somewhere in the middle of nowhere having to make the right decision as as somebody approaches and they're not quite uh, you know in the in the in, in the dusk and you can't quite make out the details and they look a bit suspicious. Mm. You've got to make the you've got to you've got to make um, military ethics applied decisions in that case just as much as if you're talking with the prime minister and saying you know i'm not sure that this is about the country i think this might be about you sir mm-hmm. uh, are you sure we should be doing this um and and and, and having the, the 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 courage to be able to do that um mm-hmm. what i would say in in 2003 admiral boyce's um questions to the prime minister forced a a, a, a legal um a legal um response Mm -hmm. from the attorney general in the uk um which first time around wasn't accepted um admiral boyce said that that the it it was it was um it it was still not clear-cut um and he wanted absolute um an absolute clear legal um verdict from from the uk's uh top lawyer that um that 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 the the deployment would be lawful and and waited until that had actually come through so in you know in some ways that that'd be a major constitutional crisis you've got you've got the prime minister committing the country to war and then the the head of the armed forces saying well i'm not sure this is lawful Mm. um but actually i'd say that that's that 
that's what a professional armed force should be doing. That's exactly what it is to be a member of, the, of, of a professional military to be, to be able to do that. So yeah. um, the fact that the, the Attorney General came back with that definitive piece of paper and saying, look, here we go, this is my, this is my um, guidance, my unequivocal guidance, that um, on these grounds, this deployment would be lawful. Mm. Now, subsequently, lots of international lawyers have been highly sceptical about that legal justification. But at the time, as the head of the British Armed Forces, I, I think that was um, that that was that was a, a, an absolutely right and proper um, exchange. Mm. Uh, and, and and frankly, I don't think the the well, I certainly hope that the UK would never be in a situation where they were contemplating war without having thought about the legal justification mm. for it in advance and being absolutely clear that, that, that they were they were justified in doing that. And what a courageous act. I mean, obviously, it, it, in this instance, it, as you said, it, it's even so still proved to be questionable, to say the least. Um, in fact, I was just uh, a few days ago, I interviewed uh, Mark Alesco, who was the chief targetee uh, for the Pentagon for the invasion uh, in 2003 and was on regular occasions briefing, you know, Bush, Rumsfeld, uh, you know, the, the tenant uh, and, and all the key players. Um, and he decided to leave at the point where it was very clear that US is going to Iraq regardless of what's happening uh, and he effectively st stuck around for the first invasion because he uh, uh, he he felt that he was more morally adjusted uh, about choosing targets because he knew him int intimately well than if some brand new person had come in and was just kind of uh, you know under pressure uh, so he rode the wave of the invasion and then had a basically a, a conscientious ob objection and he resigned and left uh, which of course in his position that's a you know was a serious senior position uh, certainly would have uh, sent some shockwaves but unfortunately the the, the machine uh, was well on the way and i think that's that's part of the problem uh, but but i really do like the point that uh, and the fact that you're well very much starting our discussion with the need to focus on you know the, the big leadership uh, and their ethics. It's not just the soldier on the ground, uh, because I think that's one of the weaknesses at the moment is that our leaders our and our governments, our, our political leaders, send us to war with near impunity, uh, I would say. I mean, I, I know Tony Blair was in some hot waters and, uh, well, in fact, no, uh, uh, John Howard wasn't uh, in Australia, at least not to my knowledge. Uh, but I can't see anybody, uh, you know, dragging Bush across uh you know, across the coals to uh, question his decision to commit troops uh, to, you know, of course, Afghanistan is one thing, but uh, but to Iraq. Um, what's, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, the fact that our leadership is largely immune from, uh, you know, the just war tradition. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, so uh, you, you mentioned Tony Blair. Um, he was, he's just been knighted by the, by the queen. Um, within, within something like 48 hours, a million people had already um, registered their, their, their disgust at this on, on, in an in a, um, um, uh, uh, open letter to, mm. to, um, to, to the Queen. Um, so, yeah, it's still highly controversial now. But is there any chance of um, anybody uh, behind those decisions being, being held to account? Uh, a vanishingly small, I'd suggest. And, and, and part of that is, is um, if you look at the Rome Statute, if you look at the International Criminal Court rules, um, the, the, um, 
it makes clear that responsibility for for all decisions doesn't magically stop at the head of the military. It goes all the way up through through the political um, leadership as well. So it's, they can be held accountable uh, according to to, to that, um, um, that 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 set of agreed rules that mm. we mm. Uh, certainly the UK um, has signed up and Australia has signed up. Australia, so, yeah. But um, um, the crime of aggression is is not is not defined um so uh, uh, quite deliberately possibly in the sense yeah. that, um, the, the cynic um, the cynic in you suggest <laughs> yeah yeah i agree yeah. Uh, which, which 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 makes that side of it uh, uh, extremely extremely difficult to um to, to um know how how to proceed and 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 the the fact that um that the, the blair is still viewed in that way um, it, it was an act of. There's a lot of political reasons why mm, why, why, mm. why Blair was viewed in, in that way as well. Um, in the, um, but um, I wonder whether the actual justifications that were given at the time make a difference there, because I know know from um, from the UK position, it was about making sure that you had the legal argument, and however credible that turned out, you know, not not terribly in in, in the end, but it was it was very clear that it was it was based on a. Um, a, a, a self-defense rationale that mm. and a regional security rationale but mm. it was it was based on security council resolutions and it was it was a little bit tenuous but um mm. whereas my understanding with the Australian public was it was it was much more of a a, a a moral based argument that this was the right thing to do and Australia would be on the right side of history not the wrong side of history and therefore um if 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 somebody as bad as 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 um uh, um, Saddam Hussein could could be challenged and could be stopped. Then then there was a duty to do that. Mm. Um, now it turned out that maybe it wasn't quite as as straightforward as that. But I wonder whether the um, Australian public have ultimately been um, more forgiving of of somebody getting the moral argument wrong rather than trying to dress it up in in in, in mm. legal language, mm. which which just felt um, you know ob- ob- obviously a little bit disingenuous, mm. especially with the um, the uh, the dossier dossier. Mm, the dodgy yeah. dossier started yeah. to be unpacked and it turned out that the evidence really wasn't as strong as um, had been claimed. And that it was a, a curveball in code name and nature, <laughs> ultimately. Um, I'm not entirely sure about the Australian relationship to it, but I mean, my, my I get the sense that we might be, as a nation, more apathetic to it in general because it was a bit a lot further away uh, to us, I think. It certainly was, you know, high on the, on the nation's radar, Um but I think as the years have gone by now, we don't think about it anymore as much as there's now public public discourse about the fact that we went to Iraq as a nation uh, purely to keep our alliance with the US, to show our alliance to the US. And this is now discussed publicly in a public forum. Uh, and it's something I've discussed uh, with uh, people like John Blacksland on the, on the podcast, um, who's written about this. And as along with uh, a, a number of our senior leaders, uh, including a former uh, chief of army, uh, who's you know gone out and publicly questioned uh, these decisions. But of course, you know, as you as you alluded to, the chances of somebody actually uh, answering to this uh, nearly twenty years on, it's uh, it's yeah, next to uh, non-existent. However, soldiers on the I, ground, I, I, or, I, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, but I completely agree that actually, I think that was the rationale from the UK point of, uh, point of view as well. Mm-hmm. But for Tony Blair as a Labour politician mm. and, and, and labor's different um, they, they carries different um, 
weight in uh, um, Australia than it does here, um, as as does liberal and, and, mm. and uh, the terms terms are slightly different. But um, as as a as a um, an, an, a new Labour prime minister, it was it was basically untenable for him to say that the, it was in British British national interest to do this because our primary uh, ally was going to do this with or without us, and therefore we needed to be alongside um, for for the for the future prosperity of, of of the uk in 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 many and that really was the justification and, and in that sense um i i'm i i think i think i think blair did believe it was in the uk's interest yeah. um and therefore was was the right thing for the uk to do uh, mm. but mm. Uh, you know there were, there were so many other factors that were basically um swept aside to 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 it to um to to be able to achieve that mm. and 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 it's the complete lack of engagement with the real reasons, which I think is, is still causing the, the, the problems. He was still still talking about it as a, in terms of the, the, the legal justifications, the the, the, the self-defence, the, the yeah. weapons of mass destruction. Yeah. Whereas, in fact, the real reason was pretty straightforward, much the same as, as is openly discussed in Australia. It was about keeping the US yeah. uh, on side and, and, and being there alongside them. And that was just not. That was that that was that was just not part of the the the, the public debate here. So, yeah. um, and, and I mean, and, and I wasn't expecting to land on this so quickly, but this is uh, <laughs> a, it's a it's a time to bring it up because I think what you're what you're bringing up there is this continuous clash between values versus interests. You know, we sell the narrative on values, but we pursue interests, which ultimately then sets, in my view, a very very poor example. So poor leadership example, particularly when we're trying to espouse in our soldiers, in our military leaders, a sense of uh, a normative values that we ought to then uphold rather than interests. Because this is this has come up, and 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 if I might say so, you're, I, I've really, it's a I can't say the word enjoyed because it it just doesn't feel right for uh, given the text uh, that it belongs to. Uh, but your annex to the IGADF. Uh, is 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 was was really impactful for me because you bring out some of these uh, issues I think quite quite neatly, um, but it's a it this strikes me as a as a real problem that we are just not discussing. I mean I know in the ethics department and in philosophy departments the debate between values versus interests is ongoing, but in the public discourse it's not. Because even, I mean, the mission of the Australian Defence Force and the Australian Army is to serve in, you know, in the interest of the nation. Uh, but then we're supposed to live by some values uh, that we seek to not uphold. Well, what happens when there's a clash between those two, as was Iraq? Um, you know, a, a purely a pragmatist, uh, rational thinker might say this was in Australia's absolute interest. You know, yes, yes, we bent the truth somewhat, but, you know, we'd much rather go and bomb some uh, backward uh, Saddam Hussein uh, then lose the absolute uh, uh, principal pillar of our national security, uh, or you know, risk it. Um, so, and, and, it? Yeah. I mean, that's I mean, it's it's a real challenge for the military profession. Ultimately, you're a political instrument. You you mm. you want to do what the what the state tells you to do, and as long as you the the profession is satisfied that it doesn't cross that red line, as in it is clearly unlawful and mm. should not be done, um, then it's the it's it's the military profession's job to get on with it. Um, mm, mm. If you don't like it, then you need to get out of uh, mm. uh, out of the military. That's then you're into selective conscientious yeah. objection territory, um, which is perfectly valid and um, is, is you know it's uh, if, if if you you for ethical moral mm. reasons mm. find yourself unable to 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 serve, then then it's your job to get out. And and it's the P 
people who don't get out and carry on, who end up carrying the um, the, 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 the long-term moral injury, the, the, the PTSD, you know, um, the um, implications of, of, of going on and doing things which um, they, they believe that are ultimately mm. not justified. So, so um, you know, taking taking somebody's life is, is a massive thing. Taking somebody's life because you need to, because mm. it is in defence of your state and its interests, in, in defence of its people, um, is one thing. Um, taking somebody's life because why? Why? Why are you there? What is the actual reason for it? Um, now, that's that's going to have been a question asked throughout history. Mm-hmm. You've got people mm-hmm. asking that on the eve of the Battle of Agincourt. You know, it's not mm-hmm. it's not a new question. But if you don't know why you're there, why you're why you're doing it, then living with what you've done afterwards is so much harder. Yeah. Um, and I'm, um, this is a hugely under. Um, researched area and so much more work needs to be done on it but how do you how do you protect the people that you send to war uh, particularly when it turns out that the war itself wasn't justified you're asking them to do terrible things on behalf of your state and then it turns out that it was all a big lie when they come mm. home uh, mm. or, or afterwards and and i'm i'm it again it's very hard without the definitive data it's an extremely hard area to research mm. but i'm positive that um that um that situation that context is contributing to to um the the horrendous uh, horrendously high veteran suicide rate um mm. when it turns out that the everything that you've been doing was 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 based on a a, a giant lie um that you that you've been sold and mm. not just you of course yeah society yeah. the state every it, it's um yeah. um it, you, you were told it was the right thing to do and it turns out it wasn't the right thing to do um so how on earth do you justify what it was that you did mm. yeah and of course you can i'm not saying anybody out there was doing the wrong thing or from a legal oh, sense or, exactly. or even from, no, from, a, from a professional ethics sense they 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 were they, they, they were doing what they were told to do and they were doing it appropriately and properly but because because there was something broken because there was something wrong um with 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 the the, the entire reason why, why mm. they were there in the first place and that didn't come out till afterwards then mm. you put people into a, a, a you know a, 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 an awful awful situation and the only and, and who is it who doesn't care well they're the psychopaths they're the ones who who, who, who would have done it anyway um mm. and and that's that's not that's not you don't want a military made up of psychopaths that's no. that's that's not a good that's not a good look yeah absolutely i mean it's a it, it it's interesting because i i, I think that uh, uh, and I, I guess you're, you're touching on uh, the psychopaths and, and the consequences of very, very poor ethics uh, in war. Uh, and I guess w- what you're saying is that potentially these unethical acts at times could also be because, uh, you know, a sense of betrayal uh, by, um, you know, those who sent us. Uh, is, that, is that what I'm hearing you say? Is that what I... Um- <clears throat> I think um, I think for, from so if, if we're, we're 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 talking about the um, um, uh, we're, we're, we're the um, the inquiry we're, we're most definitely getting into that it, mm-hmm. uh, area now, aren't we? Uh-huh. Um, yeah. I think I think you can chart through the through the the reports, through the transcripts, through the interviews, you can chart a, a, a disillusionment with the war in in in, in Afghanistan over over mm-hmm. over the over the period um i'm not sure that that directly contributes to bad behavior i think it just it 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 contributed to 
indirectly though because it started to undermine the professionalism of the of the force that was there I mean, mm. what are we doing mm. here does it really matter mm. uh, kind mm. of thing you know what, what no, no, we 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 yeah. just need what what do they actually want us want from us uh well uh, uh, we, we just need to slot some bad guys so it can be mm. reported in the press back home because that's what it's already about um no, nobody cares why we're here nobody nobody understands what we're here for what what, what actually are we here for mm. um and very very um, poor metrics, very poor understanding of, 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 of strategy, because there was no strategy. There wasn't. There was, you know, a, a lack of um, mm. overarching um, 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 strategy guiding the behaviour. Um, and very much became a self-licking lollipop. You're, mm. you're, 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 you're there uh, you, to conduct missions, and you, and you're needed because those missions need to be done. But the missions themselves are generated because you need to be doing missions so there's there's no the missions obviously don't actually need to need to need to happen or are, you know a good good number of them it's just mm. that you have to be seen to be busy otherwise how do you justify your position there and then mm. the missions that you do become the justification for why you're there mm. um it, it's complete self-licking lollipop which yeah. which you can't can't have been lost on all the people that were out there you know the, the mm. utter pointlessness of risking your life every day to go out for what for mm. what there's no it doesn't mm. fit into any strategy it doesn't um and i know you're very interested in this relationship between the top and the bottom we've already been mm. talking about yeah. that in, yeah. in terms of the chain of command but it wasn't just australia it was it was the uk it was the us there's this failure of senior military leadership to actually hold the politicians um to, to answering the question what do you actually want us to do over there what are we there for mm. What's our what's our mission? What's our end state? Where, at what point are you going to be satisfied? And of course, if it's simply just keep the Americans happy, you know, if that's the real justification, yeah. Yeah. and that continues to be the real justification, um, so, you know, a decade on, then let's be honest about that. Right, we're just going to be the best allies that we can for our for our for, for the for the big dog. You know, mm. that's yeah. it. That's the yeah. justification. But that's not. I mean, the rest no, of the oh, world no. knows it anyway, right? I mean, yeah. really. <laughs> I mean, it's it's. it's I find let's, it let's just be yeah. honest about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. but no no that oh well it's it's about it's about state building. It's about stopping the drug yeah. supply. Democracy about, and human about, rights. Yeah, it's yeah. about <laughs> democracy. All these all these. Yeah. And and Grand and of course, narratives. Yeah. It's blatantly obvious to the people on the ground that it's not about any of those things because the half the policies are contradictory though you're pulling against other bits of the of the of the effort it, it just doesn't make any sense so mm. what are you doing there oh well you're there to generate a good headline on a friday for the newspaper back home that's mm. your job mm. 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 um so hardly surprising that a bit of disillusionment slips in and people stop taking their jobs quite as seriously as, as, as they should because you know what what is the point what is the point of risking your life on a daily basis when it is blatantly obvious that it's pretty pointless yeah yeah and i've, I've now interviewed uh, a couple of kind of special forces soldiers who uh, you know aren't, aren't aren't in any hot waters but certainly uh that kept popping up the lo lost sense of purpose and 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 changing of uh of the mission kind of uh, as yeah. as and, and, as and, and it is know. important i must put a caveat in here mm. it is important to note that for the vast majority of people their sense of professionalism you know deployed mm, of course deployed military personnel they still go and do 110 percent. they go and do it properly they do their, their job they're doing it for their mates they're doing it for their team they're doing it for their for their for their, for their unit you know they're, uh, they're still doing a, a, a remarkable job despite that mm. but as part of the environment, the overall the the, the overall um, um, 
ethos, if you like, it, it's 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 got to be insidious, mm. drip, 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 over time, as, as you just realise that, what are we here for? Yeah. Why, why am I grabbing these guys when, uh, you know, if we don't kill them, we'll, they'll be released within three days yeah. Uh, yeah. anyway. Yeah, 48 hours, they'll be back out again yeah. anyway. So. Yeah, <clears throat> and they're low level anyway, but we've slapped an objective name on, on them and uh, they sound sound shiny. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it, it, one question to kind of get us maybe a little bit deeper into this topic is that, I mean, none of this is new. I mean, we've, we're kind of now touching on the kind of uh, atrocities in war and war crimes and so on. Uh, we know from every war that's ever gone before uh, that atrocities have occurred. Um, there's just no dispute uh, that, you know, I, I, I question whether we can ever have a war without war crimes. Um, I, I, I'm dubious uh, that yeah, that's I, impossible. I, 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 look, I, I'm a military ethicist and I have to agree with you. I, you know, yeah. It's a horrendous thing to, to, to have to admit, but but that's, that's part of why you should never go to war lightly. You, you have yes. to accept that the cost is going to be terrible and the cost on, for everybody, including the people you're sending to war, not, ju- not just, not just in, um, in, in yeah. terms of risk to their life, uh, but actually to, to, to what you're exposing them to. And, yeah. and they, they, it's, um, yeah. It, yes, it, it is. I I, I, w- I won't quite say inevitable, but it, mm. it it's extreme. It's, it's borderline, like, yeah. yeah. Because of, because of the environment of war, because of because of what the the the, the context, um, it, it it makes people it, it can um it can contribute to people doing terrible things when yeah. they know they should. And we we know this. We know this. Mm. Um, and, and you're absolutely right. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't try and reduce it as much as possible and we, um, it, you know otherwise it's like saying um, um australia still has murders mm. you have yeah. murders so actually it was a bit pointless trying to police murder isn't it let's mm. just let's just accept let's just let's just say it's inevitable that we're going to have murders and um not not not, not it's pointless investigating them as long as it's That's at right. a low level we'll just we'll just accept that a certain level of murders will will occur you, you can't do that you yeah. can't do that, and, and war's exactly the same with that. If you if you if you go down the route of saying, "Well, that, look, people are going to break the rules," so there's no point worrying about the rules. Mm, mm. <laughs> it's just not tenable. It's just yeah. not. It's, it's a. It's a. But that seems um, to be a modern feature. I mean, we've just discussed it. I mean, that that it's a relatively recent phenomenon of having military ethicists. Uh, it, you know, what's different now to say? I mean, you know. I've read Jonathan Shea's uh, book uh, on Vietnam, and uh, I mean, it, you know, some of those books discuss quite openly, and soldiers openly discussed what effectively amount to war crimes. And this is not just one book; there are dozens of these books. But we never, we never, I don't want to say we didn't care. We probably did, but as a society, we didn't really pay so much attention. What's different now? I mean, why, what, you know, why US, you, you know, certainly UK and Australia uh, have, have now had cases of, of mainly, I think, Special Forces soldiers, um, you know, being, you know, certainly, well, no, no court cases. I think in the UK, in fact, it was already a court case, but certainly in Australia, we still don't have any court cases, but there are certain investigations ongoing. Why is this a thing now that uh, wasn't before? There's lots of different reasons. I, I can't claim to, to be able to, to, to answer all of those, but um, um, let me get, give you one one particular, I think, deep, deeply mm. profound reason why the, it, it is taken more seriously now. Um, these things did happen. They were absolutely endemic in, in, in previous conflicts. And you've already talked about um, Shea and um, Vietnam and the Vietnam experience. Um, we know terrible, terrible things were done, um, you know, and there was a lot of conscript troops there was a lot of there was some 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 regulars but there was you know a largely conscript conscript troops mm, out there mm-hmm. what we also know is that 
terrible aftermath of that, both in Vietnam with the with the the people directly affected, but also with the soldiers that we sent there and the um, the suicide rates, the the long term mental health difficulties, the people we sent to war, and uh, and they. Uh, for whatever reason, apparently believed that they were doing the right thing um, in the war, uh, not necessarily the war itself. They, they have mm. no choice. In that. That's that's what being a conscript yeah. about. You don't, you, yeah. don't, you don't get to resign from being a conscript. Yeah. Um, um, but 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 forced to do terrible things, and then they come home and they've got to live with it. Um, and the the the, the long term fallout from that generation was absolutely huge. Mm. I'm pretty sure in most conflicts, the uh, the suicide rate is is um, is is higher than the attrition rate from the conflict itself um and and i'm sure that was the same for previous generations and previous, uh, uh, but we, it was just hidden we just we just didn't see it whereas mm. may, maybe maybe we're slightly more aware of it now mm. so just just from that angle looking mm. after our people equipping them for the for the difficult situations that they will be faced with and, mm. and that's part of what military ethics is about it, it, it's 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 about um thinking through difficult situations before they happen and mm. getting getting an idea of what the appropriate response in such a situation would mm. be so that when you're faced with it it's not it's it's not. Oh, let me just check my textbook. Oh, look, I've got I've got a book here. Let me just mm, see what mm. the right answer. Is. That's not what it's about. It's not turning everybody into a moral philosopher or anything like that. Mm. It's simply about getting people comfortable with the idea that there are appropriate responses and there are inappropriate responses. Mm. And we do this through we call it optag, the the, the pre-deployment um, yeah. judgmental training where you put me. Uh, we, we we do it in in other areas and mm. shoot don't shoot kind of situations mm. it's just an ethical version of that where you say okay so what about if um what about if uh, the person you're working with the 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 coalition the coalition partner um kills a prisoner of war in front of you what are you going to do mm. yeah and oh, I think well, va that, well values versus interest right this is going to be yeah what are you what are you going to do what, 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 what have a think through what are you obliged to yeah. do what, yeah. what would it be prudential to do? Mm -hmm. How how how? What 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 are you going to do as an individual when when, when yeah. you're faced with this situation? Yeah. Well, um, you know, it's it's um, it 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 goes beyond. Do you have legal liability yeah. in this situation? Yeah. It's it's think about this before it happens. Mm. Talk about it with your team, and then we can we can. Uh, you are far more likely to one make the right decision when if you are ever faced with that kind of uh, mm. situation, but two to be able to live with that decision afterwards, and that goes across the range of activities. We know, we you wouldn't you wouldn't put somebody into a firefight without knowing how their 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 rifle worked. Mm. Mm. And this is just part of that that preparation, so that you, you you don't put people into situations which are perhaps morally ambiguous without giving them the tools to be able to work their way through it and make the right answer and be able to live with that answer mm, after. Mm, mm. That's part of what it's about. And that's much more than simply the LOAC, the, the, the international humanitarian law once a year brief that you get where it says, well, you're allowed to do this and you're not allowed to do that. Great. But what about this type of situation? Mm, How does mm, that apply? Mm. It's an opportunity to explore those questions, talk about it and, mm. and, 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 and be comfortable with the answers. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's important to highlight none of that is going to be foolproof. Uh, no, just, no, no, no. As you not. said no, before, no. It's, it's, it's a numbers game now. It's about because if we if, and I think it's a fair thing to openly talk about and say that, you know, as, as we discussed this a minute ago, if we accept it as a self-evident truth that 
we can't go to war without at some point, somewhere, things sliding to the point of, you know, uh, uh, an action that goes against our moral compass. If we accept that as a self-evident truth, then we can start focusing rather than on don't do the bad thing, but how do we reduce the chances of, you know, statistically speaking, the 30, 40, 50, 100,000 soldiers that are going to go through this battle uh, in some shape or form, how do we reduce the chances of, uh, you know, more than whatever, you know, whatever number, one, two, five, ten, uh, you know, yeah. uh, uh, losing their guardrails. Uh, and yeah. I think that's, that's Absolutely. yeah, 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 yeah. And, and you're yeah, absolutely right. Now, um, I mean, you can, there are, there are individuals who are like more likely than others to, 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 to do bad things. We know this, we did, we did, we did a, a fantastic study with um, um, Scandinavian. Scandinavian, yeah, 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 the, the dark triad. Yeah, great paper. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. In fact, so, I'll, so I'll, there, I'll, there are, there are personality traits. There are, there, there are certain people who really shouldn't be given the awesome responsibility of being able to take other people's lives because that they're not wired in the same way as everybody else mm. and um that, that they're far more likely to, to 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 do very very bad things when given that power we know that and we can also filter out them out if we if we chose to mm. but um we often don't um um, well, probably because they're also some of the most heroic of warriors they, they, that we're yes, going to have, right? That, that is, that, that is the, <laughs> the, the, the other that, side of that. Yeah, that is the other side of it, which is, which 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 can cause a huge tension. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but how do you how do you how do you how do you stop the vast majority of otherwise good yeah. people? doing bad things yeah um and that's that that that's there's there's all sorts of things that we can do we know how corrosive how morally and ethically corrosive the environment of war is well that's an important one i mean and that's a really that's something that i've got as a, as a key component because i yeah. think that's and I've, I've argued this point a number of times that i don't think that we talk about this enough we we um, you know, in, in our doctrine, even we talk about ethics as well, this is what you should be doing, but we forget that the environment will shape behavior. I mean, Kurt Lewin Absolutely. has said this, you know, 100 years ago. I mean, we know that, Absolutely. you know, th that function will happen, but we just don't talk about it. But maybe, maybe I can ask you, what are some of those things that will take a morally adjusted person, based on all your experience and all your research, yep. that will take a morally adjusted person, a healthy person, uh, from you know, a, a law-abiding moral soldier to somebody who we would, you know, post investigations and so on, ultimately deem a war criminal. How, how does that happen? How does that slide happen? Um, so there's lots of different factors that that, that can contribute, um, but the biggest one, uh, the biggest one that you can do something about mm. um, is the, um, your, 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 your culture, your ethos. Mm -hmm. um, and that's going to be um, very closely linked to your leadership um, and the way that the unit works and talks uh, and, 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 and um, together. Mm -hmm. If behaviours become normal, it doesn't matter how outrageous they are when you're back at home sitting in a classroom. Mm -hmm. If you're in, in a situation where things have become normal, then they are normal. They are around you all the time. Mm -hmm. So um, let me give you um, I'll give you an analogy mm -hmm. I, 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 if this one works. Um, if you're sitting on the motorway, so 70 mile an hour speed limit in, in the UK on the motorway. If you're in heavy traffic and everybody's doing 90, it's really easy to go along at 90. You know, and I say heavy traffic, it's not unsafe traffic. Everybody's mm -hmm. doing absolutely fine. There's plenty of space in between mm -hmm. each car. 
why not do 90? There's it's no safe speeding, around. right? <laughs> You're just keeping up with traffic flow. Yeah. You, it, in yeah. fact, yeah, it's 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 yeah. it's kind of the safe thing to do, isn't it? You're going to be yeah. the one who's annoying everybody else and forcing them to. Let's let's just all go at 90 miles an hour, okay? Um, and and, and that everybody's doing it. Everybody's doing it. It becomes normal. Now, what happens if there's an accident? What happens if um, um, a, a dog runs out into the road? That car, couple of cars ahead, hits it, swerves. There's a pileup. Lots of people people die. Hmm. okay speed was a contributory factor to this accident oh yeah but everybody was speeding that's not a defense hmm. that's not a defense you don't say oh well everybody's speeding so it's all okay it's the fact is that anybody who's involved in the accident goes and you were speeding uh yeah yeah i was well you knew speeding was wrong i i did know speeding was wrong yes hmm. i i shouldn't have been doing 90 miles an hour hmm. I, I i accept that well why were you doing 90 miles an hour because everybody else is doing 90 miles an hour. You, I mean, try it in a court if you like, but that's mm. not going to work. Yeah. Now that's mitigation. It's not a defense. You just say, oh, well, everybody else is doing it, but that's mitigation. You have not got a defense there. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, that's the same situation. So, so what can you do about this? Well, if you're in charge of that stretch of road and you've, and you know, for example, that 90 miles an hour is the default speed there and you have an accident there every day and you're not doing anything about it, then you're culpable of two. You should mm -hmm. be doing something about it. Why haven't you put some speed patrols out there? Why aren't you pulling people over very visibly and saying, you're not allowed to do that? Let's get the speed down. Let's get it back to closer where it should be. Maybe you're not going to get it at 70, but it doesn't have to be 90. You can be in control of that uh, environment and you can, you can signal. And actually, as people's speed starts to come down, it stops being normal to go at 90 miles an hour. And you start thinking, oh, oh yeah, actually, look, we, uh, um, somebody was caught here last week, weren't they? Or, mm, um, mm, mm. or uh, actually, I remember that accident that, that we all talked about. You know, we all talked about that, the fact that that accident was caused by people going too mm. fast. It would be a really good idea to, to, to have. Let's have a little warning up on the side of the road, uh, yeah, as we do. Um, six accidents here in the last 12 months, you know. Oh, yeah. uh, ah, okay. Perhaps I better slow down. There's lots of things that you can do in that environment to stop the culture running away with itself. Mm. There's lots mm. of things you can do. In, and, and if you take that analogy across to a military unit, you can see how holding people to account for breaking the rules, not turning a blind eye to um, uh, special forces, therefore special special culture or, you know, the, the mm. idea we're in, we're special, we're with the exceptionalism. No, you don't turn a blind eye to uh, people breaking rules blatantly and then, and then saying, oh, no, but it, we do it differently here. No. Somehow we accepted that you think that and that that's okay. No, it's not okay. You are not special in the sense that special rules apply or no rules apply that's not the way it works mm. you will be held to account and in fact you're you are special you're going to be held to a higher level of account than anybody else that's what mm. it means to be part of an elite unit when mm. you cock up you are going to be held to a higher account than other people you're going to be you're going to be chucked out if you don't live up to our standards. That's how you improve unit behavior. Not saying we have lower standards behaviorally than everybody else because we're special. You have higher standards. That's the point. That's what being special means. Mm -hmm. So where do we go wrong then? Because, I mean, I think it's quite uh, – and, and, again, I, I, I really want to stress that – it's about the courts that need to do what they need to do. So this is, I certainly uh, by no stretch of the imagination seek to 
uh, uh, smear the reputation of uh, any of the special forces. Um, no, absolutely. And I just need to make that caveat yeah. yet yes. again. I've, yeah. I've, I've made it several times, but just in case anybody comes in and yeah. starts listening at a certain point, yeah. I just want to emphasize that for the vast majority of people, exactly. yeah. they yeah. didn't break the rules. They didn't do the wrong thing. They held mm. up to the highest standards of behavior, uh, a professional behavior that you would absolutely expect from the, from, mm. from the ADF. Mm. It was a minority of people who didn't. Mm. And to say that their behavior is somehow excused or uh, permissible or acceptable uh, because of the environment, as we talked about, mm. um, you know, mm. yeah. is doing a huge disservice to all the people who didn't go down that path, who yeah. didn't uh, break the rules. Who, yeah. um, so so the, the fact that the vast majority of people are, are um, Carrying out their duty uh, uh, to a high, high professional standard is exactly why you should hold those people who don't mm. to, to account. But then we have to look at the, I guess, and we said it's not a defence, but it's certainly mitigating circumstances. Yeah. Uh, and there are, and there ought to be a number of mitigate, mitigating circumstances that we think about when looking at uh, some of these alleged uh, war crimes. Because it's, you know, I, of course I feel horrible for their victims, but I also empathise with those very soldiers who are, uh, um, I, I feel as though they're somehow victims a little bit as well, because I'm sure that some of them, uh, uh, you know, even if, even, even if they're not in, in, in hot water at the moment, uh, you know, can't sleep at night because of what they've done, but they have to now defend it, uh, 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 you know, against perhaps unrealistic expectations. As what we're hearing is, well, you don't know what it's like, you know, it's, that's what war is and war is ugly, but these are kind of sound bites that they're uh, having to defend with, but no one's talking about the ups, upstream causes, right? So we're talking about the highway. These are upstream causes. These are mitigating circumstances where just about any person would do potentially the same thing if exposed to the very same circumstances. Now, uh, in the kind of uh, in the couple of questions that I sent to you ahead of time, I said I, I don't necessarily want to get bogged down in the kind of uh, debate of free will or free will skepticism. Um, uh, I had that discussion with Greg Caruso. I'm not sure if you it, 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 it was a one one of my favorite episodes because I think one of the things he argues is that it's the environment that's going to effectively set up certain bumpers, and you know if the certain bumpers are struck, behavior will occur. And yep. if we now superimpose the fact that we know that at some point war crimes will occur, we also know that at some point some soldiers will go beyond what we uh, reasonably expect a soldier will do, also because of circumstances, I'm sure of yep. it, whether it's because they're genetically predispositioned for certain behaviors or, you know, certain personality traits, or because they, they are on their 12th deployment, they've had three of their mates killed, uh, they've, you know, arrested this particular person 14 times already. They've lost a sense of purpose. They haven't slept. All of these kinds of things are mitigating, mitigating circumstances that ultimately, if they had not been there, that soldier would probably not have done what they did. And that's, that's an issue because you still have to obviously try because it has a deterrent effect. Like you said, like the sign or the you know, speed camera, it will have a deterrent effect. But there's, a, there's still a moral dilemma there that I'm wrestling with uh, I don't want to throw them out as the few bad apples because they are us, no. they are our soldiers, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, look, this is this completely agree. This is this is hugely problematic for for the fact that we uh, now understand just how morally corrosive the environment is for individuals, and yet still hold those individuals to account. Mm. The UK um, 
uh, the, the UK uh, case that you were talking about, um, um, Marine Marine A, uh, Sergeant mm-hmm. Blackman. Yeah. Um, now he he was initially he uh, he um, shot a wounded um, enemy combatant um, who who was uh, most clearly halls to combat. Mm. Um, shot him in the head with a pistol, um, the, the, um, and then turned to the rest of his unit and said, uh, "This goes nowhere. Um, mm. I've just broken the Geneva Conventions." So it. it uh, all caught on camera. So how many of those incidents were not caught on camera mm-hmm. in every conflict throughout history? Many, no, no doubt, no yeah. doubt. Uh, but the fact that he turned around to, to, to somebody else in his unit admitted that he had broken the law as he did it. He wasn't claiming it was justified mm-hmm. in any other way. He, he, in the heat of the moment, he said, having executed a, 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 a um, uh, enemy soldier mm. uh, he, he, he uh, admitted that he, he shouldn't have done that on camera mm. so he was initially convicted of a war crime he was convicted of murder now there was a subsequent appeal several years later in which the psychological reports were presented um explaining that um actually this was um the environmental factors were so overwhelming. He'd re- recently lost his father. There had been um, a, 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 co- a comrade had recently been killed and had been parts of his body had been struck up in a tree. It was a absolutely horrendous mm-hmm. uh, litany of, of things that, that, that added up to, 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 to the environment. He, uh, he had been horrendous. He'd been on continuous deployment <clears throat> in a forward operating position for, 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 for six, six months or more. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> There'd been... I think only one or less uh, visits from from the chain of command in, mm. in that period. Mm. They were basically mm. completely on their own. Again and again, lots and lots of different factors that the 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 um, the unit culture that that, that that had 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 deteriorated over over that period of time. This was presented in as a, as in in, in in to the appeal court, and was accepted by the appeal court. Um, not only as mitigation, but as a defence against murder. Huh. He was acquitted of murder. He was found instead uh, guilty of manslaughter, um, which, given the time that he had already served, meant that he, he he was now released. So, so he wasn't he wasn't told it was <clears throat> it's okay. You weren't guilty of this. He was still guilty of this, um, but it wasn't the environmental factors contributed to his state of mind mm. to such a degree that he could not be said to be uh, it, 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 the act itself was not premeditated yeah yeah um, and any other reasonable person would have probably acted in that same manner right that's, um, that's no no i wouldn't huh? say any other but you can see why he did so mm-hmm. so the, the mm-hmm. any other bit is is because lots of people still don't so that's that's right right, it's right, 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 right there's still lots of people in that situation who still don't do that so but, uh, but sorry, also, sorry. Just to clarify, what I meant is, is, is if the circumstance had been the same, right? If 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 I had had my father just die, if I had just one of my mates that, if I had, you know, if I was the same personality type, if I, blah blah blah, you know, it, the point I'm making is that these were all triggers that had led down a golden path that, in his case, was inevitable to occur and had occurred. Um, and you know, he's we need some empathy for him as well for what he's yeah. carrying in that sense. Yeah, I, I'm I'm wary about using the word inevitable there, but right. the yeah. the factors had contributed to the to the extent that the, that the court decided that this was this was a, a defence mm, against, yeah. against the idea that he had consciously decided that this was the right thing to do. Mm, actually, mm. actually, he was he was um, 
he was still guilty of manslaughter, the second mm-hmm. most serious crime yeah. that you can, you, yeah. you, you can commit, but it was no longer murder. Um, now, there's lots of people who, 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 as you have already said, think he shouldn't have been tried in the first place because this was just war. Um, there's lots of there's lots of people who think that the original murder conviction should have stood uh, because mm. he obviously knew what he was doing. He was caught on camera. Uh, but um, actually, there's 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 another significant group of people who think that that um, actually ended up probably in the right place. Um, he mm. shouldn't have done it. He knew knew he shouldn't have done it, but he wasn't in the right state of mind at the time, so therefore shouldn't be held to the highest level of culpability. Mm. Mm. It was still a criminal act. Yeah. It was wrong, but it wasn't murder in the sense that we understand murder in, in its normal yeah. sense. Um, and I think there's something to that argument. It's not It's not that he didn't do it. He did do it. It's not that he wasn't responsible for it. He was responsible for it, but he wasn't responsible to the extent that we would expect somebody who had committed murder to be found guilty mm. of. Um, mm. that's, that's, yeah, um, that makes sense. So, well sorry that was a very long very long uh, attempted explanation um for for, for how uh, um the uh, environmental factors do contribute or can contribute we know we know people are far more likely to to, to carry out certain activities given certain environmental factors mm-hmm. and I think this we also know what those triggers are and we also know that um what the chain of command, what what the group, what the organisation itself can do to address those uh, factors and should be doing to address those factors. So uh, the fact that um, um, uh, Sergeant Blackman didn't get a, 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 some, some kind of um, a proper uh, leave of absence after his father died, or the fact that there was no there was no intervention by the, the, the no, no significant intervention by the chain of command. Nobody was looking after him. The, 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 there was no that nobody was looking after the unit from that point of view. Checking on the unit, checking in on them, rotating them out, taking them out of out of the out of the situation, and and and, and putting another another group in. There's all sorts of different things that could have been could have could have happened there and and, mm. and didn't happen there. Um, and if you write that large across much bigger units, yeah. you can you can you can see that there's 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 a huge amount of things that you can do to contribute to a healthy unit culture and if you're not doing those things then yes i, I get when use use your word it, it it starts to become inevitable that people are going to start breaking the rules and mm. people are going to do terrible things and 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 that's going to appear normal to them because the group culture has been allowed to drift um mm. in in the, the, the ethic of the, of the group has been allowed to drift in, in, in yeah. that way. So, so the chain of command, it's, it's much harder to pin down and say, well, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? It, it's, it's, it's much easier to point to the person who did the specific act and say, well, they were acting on their own and, and ignore yeah. the fact that the, the, the chain of command allowed that situation to develop over a period of time. Mm. And that's made up lots and lots of individual yeah. errors of judgment if you like over, over a, a, a long period of time and it's much harder to hold to account and yeah and that's and why that's, military organizations yeah. have got to have got to take those things seriously uh, i i couldn't agree more and just for for the record that it lest they be confused what i was saying i mean i i completely agree that uh we need to have these court cases. I'm certainly not saying that, you know, these people should be let off. It's uh, it, it will have an effect. It will have a deterrent effect. It needs to be. We need to learn from these lessons. Uh, but I think you're spot on that it's. Uh, and, and I think 
I think it might be the annex dimensions it or if it's a bit higher, but that, you know, the overwhelming responsibility uh, in the investigation came down to p- uh, patrol commander level. Um, and this is something I'm sure you've heard uh, even in the UK, uh, criticism, certainly I've heard whispers of it across, you know, many ranks in, in the army uh, and with my civilian friends that, you know, it seems unfair that, you know, the responsibility lies at the, you know, patrol commander level uh, and many are criticising that the chain of command uh, has basically walked away uh, scot-free. Uh, and I think that's the point you're making is that we need to, as a as an institution, as an organisation, let's let's stop focusing on the individual. Yeah, let the courts do that. Uh, but you know, let's learn from those particular case studies uh, that there is a there is a path to this. This doesn't. Yes. Nobody's born a war criminal, right? I mean, it's no. it's just like that's just we just have to embrace that and, and understand that we are all part of this uh, as a as a as an institution, as a system, um, as a, as a society. You know, depending on how far you want to look at it, uh, we are all part of this. And, and 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 that ethical drift, you can you can chart its progress through through the Brereton report, where it's war mm. crimes didn't instantly start happening mm. at the start of the of, of the of the um, deployment, um, but over time, or gradually over time, the people who are continually being redeployed, they start to change, and the organisation itself starts to change, and you have ethical drift in both both aspects, and they, and they there's the relationship between the two but you can do something about it as an organization mm-hmm. it's not that it's not that the organization hasn't been warned we know we know these things yeah we know we know what contributes towards um uh, uh bad behavior corrosive behavior um and we can do something about it we do know that we, there is something that the organization can put in place and this is the uh, i guess the reality of operational deployments will Mitigate some of the some of our ability to do something about it because we'll never have enough troops, uh, we'll never have enough yep. time. You know, yep. our, our, we'll send our special forces to do night operations because we have night vision goggles and the enemy doesn't. Uh, so therefore, our soldiers won't sleep uh, or they'll have disruptive yep. sleep patterns. So you know, there there are of course there will be tactical imperatives that will limit what we can actually do. Uh, but I think the point you're making as well is uh, in some of your other writing as well is that the training we can do. Uh, even back home, needs to be more wholly infused into service life, not just as a throwaway presentation or LOAC. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, it's, not, it's not an afterthought. Don't stick it in at the end on the Friday before everybody goes home. This is, this is part of what it is to be a, a, a professional organisation, is, is, this, is this discussion, this internal yeah. discussion about the rights and wrongs of, and what, what, it, what, it means to be, what it means to be a military professional. Absolutely. Yeah, I guess the 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 only thing there is, in my view, is to what extent are we able to replicate the environment and all the elements that we just talked about of that environment to really train for it and test it? Because ultimately, many will say none of this new ethical stuff is new. We've been doing this, and and in fact, I had uh, uh, special forces soldiers say that on on the show that yeah, we, you know, we're ethically well trained and have been for decades. You know, none of the training that we're doing now, maybe I'm paraphrasing, you know, is taking this to a much greater degree. Uh, it's not so much the training that's the issue. It's potentially the, you know, the things that we can't mitigate for. And that's where, you know, the limitations. That, in fact, Shannon, Shannon French, uh, who I know is a, a, a dear colleague of yours. Uh, Absolutely. She, um, to this very point, she even said, hey, let's bring in conscription. If we want to go to war, 
you know, let's bring in the draft again, <laughs> because I think she recognizes this uh, this this dilemma. Uh, yeah. You, I wonder wonder what you think uh, on that, because it is. I think that is a the. You know, I'm in the training space, and I and I believe in training, but I also am. I don't know. Worry somewhat that it it, it I, I don't want it to become just a ticking the box exercise because in training we can't replicate the true environment. And again, we, I, I feel like we're just uh, uh, um, sticking a Band-Aid on and then down the line, we'll throw a few bad apples out again and, you know, we sit on our uh, high yeah. horse. You know what I mean? That's, that, that's, that's, my, that's my concern with it. Okay. Well, I'm, 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 I'm not sure conscription's the answer, but <laughs> I, can see, I, can see the, I, can, I can see where that way in, in her defence, yeah, she, she was partially joking, but also in the sense that, yeah. you know, if we, if we started conscription, the society would care a lot more if we went to war yeah, as opposed yeah, yeah. to get a professional military. Um, that, very much so. So yeah, it's, it, yeah. um, the military's, military's it, as, as so small as a percentage of our, 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 our population now. Uh, I mean, they're amazingly incredible range of things that they can do with that with yeah. that small size compared to previous exactly. um, generations yeah. but there's still that means there's just less people and and and, the, and um you, people are less connected to the military mm. so therefore you, yeah you can become blind to the the, the, the it's 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 not a sacrifice yeah. that they are seeing when yeah. when it's happening when, over when, there yeah absolutely absolutely yeah. um so so uh, that that certainly is 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 one good argument um for it um Look, trading. I, that argument from from that that that, that SF operator is really interesting. That that um, the, the the ethics training hasn't hasn't changed. Thirty years is, is pretty much the same as it, as it was. Well, maybe maybe I'm misquoting him, but I mean, it's it's okay, the point he was trying to make is yeah that that you know the ethics the environment trained, changed. Yes, and and that there were that they were ethically as sound then as you know the soldiers going yeah. through are now. Um, yeah, obviously with with added training, but the the end result, I think he was trying to make the point is that. You know, it wasn't necessarily the training that was going to, you know, stop uh, yeah. this type of behaviour. So, um, absolutely, it's there's a huge difference between sitting and working something out in a classroom. Classroom environment, lovely, lovely, friendly. It's very easy to come mm. up with the right answer in a classroom, um, <laughs> and 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 then um, sitting on a on a battlefield, taking incoming fire, or trying to work out on earth the the thing to do, let alone the right thing to do, is um, in, in that kind of situation. Absolutely. How do you replicate that? How do you replicate that and make sure that your training matches the um, matches the 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 the, the real life um, scenario that you're actually in? Um, okay, really, really hard, but not impossible. So, putting somebody into a battlefield as part of their training is not a good idea, uh, even though that's historically how people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's a gun. Um, go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but um, so. We know that people make different decisions under different types of uh, uh, environmental um, 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 input. So, so for example, yeah. if you're stressed or fatigued or tired, mm -hmm. you're likely to think differently and react differently than sitting in a classroom. Mm -hmm. So, if you wanted it, so we need to change ethics training and education. We need to understand that sitting in a classroom, learning about the theory, is fine if you're a staff officer and you're going to have forty-eight hours to make a decision. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then you want you want to be able to. Um, explore the parameters of all the different aspects of it carefully contemplate I, absolutely very very different from somebody in a tactical situation who's got to make the, the the right 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 call how do you do the equivalent of ethical muscle memory mm -hmm. now if you you train for a situation you hit you hear a stimuli and you know how to respond to it because you've trained for it again and again and again somebody says it gives you an instruction you 
know how to follow it because mm. you've trained for it again and again. It becomes part of your muscle memory. You understand what's going on intuitively because it's been ingrained, because you've trained for it. How do you do that with ethics? You can. We, we're much better at this than we used to be. Mm. So, for example, if you wanted to find out how people are going to behave um, uh, in an extreme situation, there, there are there are situations where you can start to do that. So, mm. so for example, at um, uh, Sandhurst um, in the um, exercise broadsword right towards just before they before mm. they graduate. Um, they they do they do an exercise and there's all sorts of learning opportunities through that exercise and they're tired and they're hungry and they're, and they're put into extremely stressful situations and they know they're being graded constantly so they're tired massive ethical risk factor mm. being tired mm. of course everybody is always tired in, in the war um, stress massive res- ethical risk factor um, added to by being assessed so you've got you've got yeah. heightened um, yeah. So, so uh, in that kind of situation, not only that they be well, why, why, um, and and they'll have things like riot, mm-hmm. riot exercises um, where where um, uh, it, it's 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 nighttime. There's there's the flames coming out of the the oil drum next uh-huh, to them. Uh-huh. There's, there's people throwing stuff at them and they've got the shield wall and then and then somebody somebody is supposed to be um calling the shots and, and making the decision mm-hmm. as the as the um uh political post is starting to be overrun and people are breaking windows around the back and breaking you've got to make a decision what, what are you what are you going to do what are you going to do and the situ- this situation unfolds and at, at the end of the at, of the mini scenario the person who's been tested for that half an hour mm-hmm. here or mm-hmm. that period mm-hmm. is pulled aside and in the case, one of the ones that I was, uh, I was, I was um, fortunate enough to be an observer for. You have a member from the ICRC standing there. Mm-hmm. So, why did you make this decision then? Did you realise what was going on? Um, were, were you aware of these other factors? Do you realise that you didn't even see X, Y, or Z? Could you had you any idea what was going on here? So, yeah. so somebody and the, the adrenaline's still going. They're still they're still going. They say, no, no, I, I didn't. So, this is what happens when you're in this type of situation. You become tunnel vision. This is somebody who's just experienced it. It's live. They can see, they can experience that. They can see how their experience mm-hmm. shaped their 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 um their ability to 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 command and to make yeah, decisions. Yeah, yeah. And, and those are lessons that you never forget. Mm-hmm. Those are those are lessons that that, that that will live with you. Um, and we can do that again. So um, up at our growth, um, the Marines use um. You've probably seen these the um, the ethics education playing cards. Yeah, I was well. Um, I was going to bring that up because I've got the app. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. No, yeah. no that, it's it's <laughs> yeah. not a substitute. Yeah. It's not a substitute mm-hmm. in, uh, for, for for broader ethics education and, and mm-hmm. training. But it's a fantastic little tool that you can use alongside it. So I know what. Can you describe it? Because just describe yeah. what the tool is, of course, because uh, I, I do want to share a link to it because I think it's a it, it is a very handy tool on one's phone. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. Uh, Okay, so it's um it's uh, it's a pack of cards, it's a pack of mm. playing cards with mm. fifty two military ethics education questions mm. uh, on it uh, across the complete spectrum of um, uh, questions. So mm-hmm. uh, from um, is the preemptive destruction of civilian property to deny it to the enemy a legitimate tactic? Mm-hmm. Discuss. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Um, uh, through to. Um, should you discuss and debate the reasons for de- being deployed with a those in the military and b those not in the military? Mm. So just broad questions. Um, Fifty-two of those, 
Um, and the idea is that this is just a, a simple way of getting people to start thinking about the issues. And on the back of each card, there is a QR link which takes you through to a website where you can unpack the question and start exploring the different answers. Mm-hmm. And we turn this into a free app as well, mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. if you just search in uh, the Android uh, store or the, the Apple store for military ethics, um, then, then, then that'll pop up. And there's a medical version as well for the military medical environment um, uh, uh, as well. But the idea is that you, you've just got a tool there that can be used used anywhere um you can you can start a discussion um and and, and start thinking about the, the the situation so so up at Arbroath on a live fire range being mm. graded you'll suddenly have the, the the person in charge of the range standing next to you screaming in your ear uh, the four of clubs is it okay to make offensive jokes if it's just banter answer <laughs> uh you're you're giving me flashbacks to my time at duntroon <laughs> you so, did that so voice you, really well yeah yeah, yeah but i see exactly i, I, I totally see the point it, yep. it's it's not perfect you, you know mm-hmm. but, but yeah. there, there are there are plenty of opportunities where you can get ethics out of the classroom and mm-hmm. get it and get mm-hmm. people thinking about yeah. in in high stress environments where where actually their answers are like to be a lot more honest but also mm-hmm. where where the discussion where the debate whether where the um 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 the the learning mm-hmm. is going to be it's, it's going to be programmed in a completely different way. Yeah, 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 yeah. A- absolutely. Yeah. You yeah. can do this, and the opportunities that we've got for immersive, mm-hmm. um, immersive learning now is just huge. And all the efforts into making sure that we've got better flight simulators or better, better mm-hmm. um, you know, targeting decisions, but it, it, with real life information, absolutely, all very, very good. But let's also use that to put people into ethically compromising situations and see how they reason their way out of it, mm. how they, how, what they do in, the, in those situations. So it's not just the, the, the um, um, you know, technical competency with firearms. Mm. It's that ethical technical competency, which is being assessed as part of that as well. Mm. We can do that. We can do it now. It's just got yeah. to be taken seriously enough. To, it, yeah, yeah, I think that's and, and I think that's the, that, that's, the, that's the key point. It's got to be taken seriously enough, even at the cost uh, potentially to, you know, well, not to the cost of the mission, but it, it, it will delay the mission. And the reason I say that is because, again, as, as you were talking now, uh, uh, the recent conversation, again, with, uh, with Mark, um, who is the head of targeting, uh, pops into my mind because he talked about he was in charge of uh, the hunt for Saddam uh, and they had 50 attempts at bombing him, all approved attempts, all 50 missed, all 50 killed civilians, which... Obviously, no one answered for that because, you know, there was the poor intelligence, poor inf- whatever, right, for whatever reason. Uh, but those are examples that we need to use in our kind of a case study and even in a simulator. Let's experience what it feels like in a simulator that you've killed 50 civilians now go and be debriefed, hopefully by a psych and, uh, you know, what led yeah. to this decision? What, what, why, what, you know, what are the conditions that we set even in this simulation that have led to you, you know, uh, you know, pulling the trigger of that drone or whatever it was. Uh, because I think that's, again, just to emphasize the point, we will never stop all of it, but it is about, no. you know, decreasing the statistical likelihood of, of, of you know, things going wrong and, and arming as many people as possible uh, when we do go to war that, you know, we, this is, it's not the first time we're making these decisions uh, under as close uh, an environment as possible. I think that's, that's the key. I think there's also something else that it's worth um, it's it's worth mentioning um, 
is is the idea that um, military ethics is therefore adding in hesitation, it's adding in a mm. doubt to people who need to be able to make life or death decisions mm. very quickly. Which is a cri- cri- criticism. Yeah, yeah. It, it is yeah. a criticism. Yeah. I'd actually turn yeah. it around. I turn it around and say, look, if you're doing military ethics education properly, it's not about hesitating. It's about doing the right thing quicker. Yeah. Rather than doing the. <laughs> So, yeah, so yeah. for example, uh, early on in um, the um, telec deployments, uh, we, we, we started to hear about issues where, where people were hesitating uh, because they believed that um, they weren't, um, um, they didn't have the authorization to, to, to be able to defend themselves properly, effectively. There was concerns about the understanding of, 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 of LOAC on, on, on the ground, that, that, that people were actually hesitating because they thought they would be held accountable for 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 using lethal force even when it was appropriate even when it was mm. required mm. and this this was part of the problem and that was because um that the the the, the, the lawyers had done such a, a, a fantastic job of, of explaining uh what was and what was not allowed um that actually people were, were left in a situation um that you actually i'm not i, I just don't know is this self-defense am i allowed to, am i allowed to act in this situation mm-hmm. now now that's this is where, where where law and ethics comes comes together, obviously. But um, it, it, this is the type of thing that military ethics can can help with. No, mm. if 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 you if you genuinely believe you're acting in self defence, absolutely you can use uh, lethal defensive force. Of course you can, absolutely. Mm. And mm. having the confidence to do that, and understanding, having had the opportunity to talk about it, with pre deployment or even on the deployment, it doesn't matter where you have these conversations, as long as they happen, so mm. that people are confident that they do understand what they are permitted to do. And and mm. and, and 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 we know that there was a corrective that that that, that went 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 out um, around about that period, and, mm. and I'm mm. very mm. sure that 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 initiative, that military ethics, the military law initiative uh, will have uh, equipped people to not hesitate when they needed to act and it will ultimately have, have, have saved some lives mm, so it's mm, not mm. it's it's not it's not about becoming less effective it's about becoming more effective yeah. in any situation yeah 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 and and of course yeah ultimately doing the right thing because that's you know, once once that trigger's pulled and there's no way taking it back and i think that's Absolutely. the point that's the point you made about you know moral injury that uh, we're only yet to uncover the real costs of that uh, uh, to our military, uh, David. I'm conscious of the time, and uh, <laughs> you know I, I could talk about this uh, all day. But um, just maybe a couple of uh, closing questions. What, what do you hope, uh, and maybe even fear, that the inquiry has achieved or will achieve? Um, okay. Um, first of all, I think I'm going to say the entire inquiry process is enormously impressive looking looking from outside in um the willingness to um look at things very few very Mm. few countries would be willing to do um Mm. the type of inquiries that the us has had i don't think have been anywhere near as, as 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 impressive um um and the other countries haven't even wanted to mm. go there at all. Mm. They haven't wanted to to to, to lift, lift lift that lid up and look inside. So it's enormously impressive that the uh, Australian people have have decided to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope it will lead to a better appreciation, a better uh, uh, appreciation within the um, chain of command, within the organisation, mm. within the military institutions themselves, about what they can do. 
to uh, prevent um, ethical drift in the future. Mm. Um, I th- there's a there's a lot of things that can that that that, that can be done usefully, uh, and I know um, it's also worth reflecting on that. I know those changes haven't happened because of Brereton. Mm-hmm. That they were underway long before the report came out. Mm. And just because of the way things get reported, everything looks like it's a response to a mm. report. Whereas I know that there's there's been a huge mm. effort over a very long time to to um to make sure that um uh things were being corrected mm. um uh, you know long 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 before yeah long before yeah. yeah yeah um so um I I hope um I hope that Brereton has has the, the, the report has has contributed to that. Um, the I know it's divisive. Uh, it, it's extreme. The, the 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 politics of it is is extremely divisive. I'm 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 um, a very long way away geographically, which is um, um, means that I'm only looking in and I'm not seeing it on a day day on a daily basis. But I know how I, I know how divisive this is. Um, that was predictable um it was going to be divisive and that why i think again it's so impressive that um decided to do mm. it um, mm. because it is important it is it is um the accountability shouldn't just be to um the the, the tiny minority of people who who, who did the to, did wrong in this situation mm. Mm. the accountability should be it's the profession looking at itself and saying, how could we have avoided this? How could we have reduced this? What could we have done about this? Mm. And I hope, I hope that's what, 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 what this inquiry um, will, will, will contribute to. And because of the way it was done, I think, I think there's a better chance of that, that happening. And that, that is a good thing. Mm. Um, it's not, it's not, it can't be hidden. Um, mm. There wasn't, there was no pretense that this was just a couple of bad apples and that everything is fine and rosy Um there's there's some problems there they're not unique to the adf by any stretch of the imagination they're not unique at all but the fact that the adf is looking at them Mm. uh, and 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 because the public is properly aware of it because of the uh, of the inquiry i i think i think that's an enormously important and and a very good thing and what do you feel um that Ultimately, it becomes so politically toxic that it's just kicked into the long grass and nothing, nothing happens. And um, mm. the uh, chain of command, ultimately, the, the, the key people who have been um, driving this forward will, will, will ultimately not be there anymore long term. And, and, and the organisation will stick its fingers in its ears and go, la, 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 everything's mm. fine. Mm. That's, 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 that's the fear. You've, you've had an amazing opportunity to... to, to um, uh, to, to, to put things right mm. um and again the caveat that i've made throughout throughout this it a lot of things went right mm, there's yeah. a lot of good and there's a, a lot of really really good people um but um the the, the the there were some things that went catastrophically wrong and and it is possible to to to, to start a journey which means that that won't happen again mm. and maybe a last question what do you wish you knew before you started your work for IJDF or the analysis, I guess, because it was, it was an analysis piece. Um, there's, there's so much I don't know. 
there's so much I don't know. I'd, I'd always want to know more. Um, there's there's so many. Um, there, there's 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 so there's, there's so much emerging um, uh, work in this area. I'd like to know all of that. I'd like mm. to know far more about. Um, I'd like to know more of. The, be able to uh, identify more of the military acronyms. I, I've got I get, I, I get about ninety percent of them. I reckon but some of them I have to look up. I'd, I'd like to. Um, uh, the the, the um, um, but I mean, was there something? Is there something that now, thinking back, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, uh, that stands out that you, you know, you wish you had uh, before you started uh, doing this work? Uh, so uh, I, I hope. Um, so both, both the the, the um, parameters of the report and the, and my specific task mm-hmm. for the appendix was to was to was to look at a particular area. Mm. Um, I hope that building on that, the broader institutional questions will get mm. asked. Mm. I wasn't specifically tasked with looking at that, mm-hmm. um, so, so it's it, it's not in there. So it's not it's not it's not an omission in that sense because that wasn't mm-hmm. that wasn't where I was looking. Yeah. Um, but I hope that the the the, the lessons learned are not just focused on um, um, the the individual yeah. um, the individuals that that, that 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 may or may not. F- be held legally accountable in the mm. future mm. that that actually there is a the broader context the institutional context there there's 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 a lot of issues there so um i, I would love to have had the opportunity to look at that broader piece um and i hope that others will be looking at that on and i know i know there are mm. other people mm. um, who, who are looking in that area now um, it would have been fascinating to be directly involved in that, but mm. uh, I think my, my my contribution was 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 um, m- m- a much smaller piece, mm. and and a much much valuable contribution. I mean, it certainly it was the one the one piece of that uh, report that really resonated with me because it it dealt with a lot of the things that I was hoping we we need to discuss, rather than just the laying of the incidents, which of course is important, uh, but you know some context. Okay, let's let's now chewing on some things. Uh, uh, and asking some harder questions to open up the discussion, uh, and I think you, you know, uh, you, you said before you were hoping that uh, you know, certainly the Australian Defence Force uh, would do this, and, and a lot of changes have happened. And uh, it's certainly, I mean, I was out of the Defence Force for, for nearly seven years and came back in. And the fact that we're having these, the fact that this podcast can even exist, that I can talk about these questions uh, openly, is testament to that. That you know, we are willing to face up to some of these things and actually. Uh, explore them and and pay attention to some of the nuance, and that's certainly happening across many units uh, that that I've uh, that I've had contact with or heard about. So I think uh, you know you're certainly part of that very very important work, and I think it it is important work, and we need to keep sharpening our understanding uh, of how we you know how do we get to that point rather than just focusing on when we get there, what do we do with these bad few apples, uh, uh, but you know let's let's and also let's look at. Uh, whether we're actually going to war for the right reasons. I think that's um, really perhaps the most important point. Uh, David, on that note, uh, I know I've taken a lot more of your time than we originally agreed to. Uh, fantastic discussion, uh, as I knew it would be. Uh, it's been a long time coming, but uh, yeah, worth every minute. So thank you very much for giving me so much of your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much, man. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Voices of War. And since you got this far, Please consider showing your support by liking and reviewing the show wherever you catch your pods. Also, if you're able, please consider showing your support through our Patreon or Buy Me A Coffee page. Links to both are in the show notes. 
Thank you. And until next time.